The dead won't bother you. It's the living you gotta worry about. Some, if I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons. Alright, uh, we are here in the Bad Taste Crime Cast, coming to you from mm, unknown. Uh, <laughs> I am Janelle. And I am Vicky. <laughs> Today we are going to talk about the Satanic Panic. Yay. Yay. I love <laughs> this topic because a lot of it just seems really absurd to me. Oh, yeah. And I think when I think of the Satanic Panic and kind of people going a little crazy with that... A little crazy. Um, well, yeah. But you think, for me, just because of my age and, you know, all that stuff, I think of it more in terms of like the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. when it was like, this kid dresses in black and listens to metal music. They yeah. must worship Satan. <laughs> but it comes actually way, way before that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see this. You it's know, a culmination, right? A build up to the events of the 1980s. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. Heck yeah. Um, let's go back to the 60s mm-hmm. and take you back to the Flower 60s a little power. bit. Flower power, Free hippies. Love. Everyone was tripping on LSD and smoking a lot of weed, as it should be. Right. <laughs> it was a beautiful time. Mm-hmm. But in the late 60s. We had one of the most famous cults, I think, mm-hmm. uh, the Charles Manson family, mm-hmm. we'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what a functional family. <laughs> right, yeah. And if you don't know who Charles Manson is, look it up. I'm um, not going to go into it. You should know. Yeah. <laughs> if Do you're you live to this, yes. <laughs> you should know about Charles Manson. Um, so, in, ni- in the late 60s, it's kind of when the Charles Manson family really pissed everybody off, we'll <laughs> say. Uh, it ended the late 60s with a string of mass murders in the summer of 1969 and really brought this ritualistic killing mm-hmm. to the forefront of the American public. Later that same year, a man named Anton LaVey published the Satanic Bible, Mm -hmm. uh, and this became really the seminal work of modern Satanism, and later was the key text for the Church of Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, I never thought about it, but I guess it had to come from somewhere, this, you know, Satanic text. So... This group of the, the Church of Satan, it was officially founded a little earlier in 1966 before the Satanic Bible came out. And then he released that and it became the Church's text. So later in 1972, so now we've crossed uh, from the 60s into the 70s, self-proclaimed Christian evangelist Mike Warnke, which is a very important name, remember mm-hmm. this for a little later, released a fabricated memoir called Satan Seller. In this book, he recounted a childhood and young adulthood spent in intense satanic worship, claiming he served as a satanic high priest and was engaged in ritualistic sex orgies, among other things. And this is kind of a common theme where you have these people coming out saying, oh yeah, I was part of this satanic ritualistic group Mm -hmm. and really later it'll come out that it's all bunk. Oh yeah. That it was all entirely fabricated to kind of capitalize on this fear of these satanic worshiping, Satan worshiping groups running around and killing everybody and having giant orgies Mm -hmm. and just pentagrams all over the place. Oh yeah. (laughs) And lots of blood, I'm sure. Tons of blood, naked chicks, dudes in hooded cloaks. (laughs) It's the full nine yards. (laughs) It's like the stereotypical when you think of the church of Satan, Mm -hmm. that's what these people were selling. Essentially. He, Anton LaVey, uh, who released the Satanic Bible, later released another publication called Satanic Rituals later in 1972 that reinforced the idea that dark occult rituals had become a very routine part for a lot of Americans. Mm-hmm. So now you have people worrying about, is my neighbor next door worshiping Satan? 
inside. Mm-hmm. It seems like such a normal part of life now. My mother would always talk about when she lived in Cleveland how she thought her neighbor was a witch and she practiced uh, Satanism and she would take the neighborhood cats and kill them. And I'm just like, you guys are fucking nuts. She was probably just an old lady who was feeding cats. And you wonder how much a a lot of this comes from rumors being spread like, oh, you know, Mr. Johnson down the street. Yeah. (laughs) You see kids walk into his front yard and you don't see him again. He must be taking them for (laughs) satanic rituals, you know, which is just absurd. (laughs) Um, The rise in Satan supporter, uh, Satanist supporters also brought in a rise of these born-again Christians. Um, So people who would say, I was in the Church of Satan, and then I found God again, and now Mm -hmm. I'm a reborn Christian, and... Which I think is the worst. There is a part in Religious Lists by Bill Maher, and um, one of the craziest Christians that he talks to was like, I was a former Satanist priest, and we did all kinds of things. There were orgies and everything, and Bill Maher's like, well, why didn't you stay? That sounds amazing. Right? (laughs) You know? Um, Your super Christianity right now is horrible. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, you know, it's funny because I don't, the people who really were practicing Satan, I mean, I'm not saying this didn't happen. There definitely mm-hmm. were people out there who were saying They took it to the extreme. Um, because, if, I mean, if you read that stuff, if you look into it, they're not sacrificing things. No. You know, it, that is like an old school, Old Testament kind of version of what they think Satanism is. It's definitely a lot more, I think, spiritual yeah. kind of thing. But you also don't see these Satanists going out and necessarily putting themselves out there and kind of pushing them their beliefs onto other people mm-hmm. as much as you see these like born again Christians oh, yeah. coming out into the public eye and being like, this is horrible. It just doesn't happen with Satanists like that. They're not mm-hmm. just, you know, believe in Satan and slapping you on the face, you know? Yeah. It's definitely, I think of it as people who are trying to just, it's, it's more fun, I guess, for them. And it's not like a super serious, you're not going to hell kind of thing. Right. It's just a nice group that you can talk to, familial. It's not, I don't think of it as like a religion. Right. Because it, it's not really, it doesn't, when I think religion, it doesn't have the hallmarks of a religion for me. No, definitely not. I mean, a lot of, there is the conversation about religion and mm-hmm. that is a whole other episode. Yes. <laughs> um, so that could take forever. Right. <laughs> Uh, so there were these four guys, John Todd, Herschel Smith, David Hansen, and the guy we talked about before. Who is he? Mike Warnke. <laughs> oh, good old Mike. Yeah. Uh, they all grew up in Southern California, and they were all self-proclaimed former Satanists who insisted that the world was being run by ritualistic satanic witch cults and uh, continuously declared the world was full of dark occult symbols and far-reaching satanic conspiracy theories. Oh, it is. (laughs) And big surprise, every single one of these absolutely crazy guys was linked to the fundamentalist Christian right, who are the, that is the very conservative Mm -hmm. fundamental. The Sunday preachers on TV screaming. Yeah, (laughs) very, uh, what do they call that? I can think of as brick and mortar. Mortar and brimstone. Fire and brimstone. brimstone. Brick and mortar and fire and brimstone. Same thing. (laughs) Yeah, there's the very fire and brimstone Mm -hmm. preachers that are, you know, if you look at another man's wife, you are going to hell and the fires of hell will come up and burn your soul. Like that kind of. They are also the ones who are really, really adamant about you donating to the cause. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They kind of want all your money. Oh, yeah. That's that's They need all your money for Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. So this guy, Mark Warnke, he spent over a decade posing as an expert, and I just did air quotes, (laughs) an expert in Satanism, for the fundamental evangelical Christian community, 
passing off a lot of his made-up childhood as the basis for how Satanism worked. Mm -hmm. So he came out and said, I had these experiences. I know how this works. I'm your expert on how to fight these practices and, you know, get them out of our community. Yeah. Essentially. These, all of these events, so all of these things that happened in the late 60s into the 70s coincided with this rise in high profile and extremely well publicized serial killing cases. Mm -hmm. Um, one of which we kind of touched on in the last episode, the Zodiac, um, the Alphabet Killer, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, the Hillside Strangler, and David Berkowitz, aka the Son of Sam. Especially him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. These all happen at the same time. And the, honestly, these are all um, serial killing cases that like, are... What the fuck was happening at that time? <laughs> I, right? I, I'm so glad I didn't live that. <laughs> I know. Well, and this, again, in, in the 70s, 60s and 70s and even into the 80s was still a time where people were not very cautious. Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> you know, you let your kids stay out until dusk. You, you tell do. your kids to stay out until dusk. Right. You're like, don't come back until dinner time. Here's your sack lunch and fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and when people were going missing, a lot of times if they were teenagers or college they're like, students, oh, they're runaways. They're runaways. Mm-hmm. And it's not a mer- So, I mean, there's it's just a lot of people needed to be more cautious. I think mm-hmm. we hit that point now a little more. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, so all of these serial killings were happening uh, right at the same time that all of these satanic ritualistic texts and all of these very fundamental Christians were coming out against Satanism. It all kind of boiled up to at the end of the 70s when the very, very well-known mass murder slash suicide. I always like to put that distinction in there because it... There were some willing participants, some not there were so willing. A lot, like the children, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, at so this all happened at Jonestown, um, killing approximately 918 people. Uh, Jonestown was at Jonestown is actually one of those things that I personally find really interesting mm-hmm. um, because it was a lot of people leaving everything behind because of. Not necessarily simply because of satanic, ritualistic mm-hmm. things that were happening, Just but... the world going wrong. Right. Leave everything behind to follow this guy who was their one messiah, mm-hmm. essentially, and would go so far as to drink the Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. which, of course, was laced with a lot of cyanide and poison yes. and things like that. That's where Don't Drink the Kool-Aid came from. Exactly. <laughs> Fun fact for the, for the day. Did you know? Yeah. Um, so although it didn't really have any connections to Satanism or really traditional cult religions, it really was the opposite because it centered around Christianity at its start and then kind of moved to... There were a lot of cults at this time. There's the Moonies, the Hare Krishnas. I mean, this was like a big boom for cults. Right. Just opposing everything that that hippie movement was. And then all of this sort of, like, satanic ritualism coming up again and again. Yeah. And it really showed that you can... Um, it was another example of what violence in a cult really looked like. And it, I think it kind of put, uh, you know, if you're, if you're in a cult, that will happen eventually. I mean, that was kind of, I think, the timeline that people were looking at. Now... It's, I don't want to say it's not like that. I mean, there's definitely still cults out there. Mm, Scientology. <laughs> I was going to say some that might not necessarily require you to die, but things that will Just make you give up your sign a million year contract, your entire life, <laughs> give them all your money. Yeah. Um. So I mean, they're definitely still around today. Both I think satanic, ritualistic. And Christianity or just kind of, you know, bunk religion cults. There's lots of bunk religion You know, aliens still, yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So all of these things happening at the end of the 60s through the 70s, kind of into the 80s, really um, set the stage for this McMartin preschool trial. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> when I was researching this, I mean, they don't... No one calls it 
wasn't, you know, like a satanic panic anymore, which is kind of sad. Um, they changed the name to, I guess, appeal more to the masses. Um, satanic ritual abuse is what it's called now. Oh. So I will be, I, I will be calling it satanic ritual abuse from, for the rest of the show. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's kind of disappointing because I feel like satanic takes, panic sounds way more fun. It is more fun. <laughs> it takes all of the funness out of the satanic panic by saying it was ritualistic abuse towards children. Like, I don't want to hear about the real stuff. I want to hear about, you know, like, hail Satan. Let's listen hail to Satan. Iron Maiden. Let's yeah. just fucking shred it up because we're Satanists. No. <laughs> Instead, you got to bring me down and tell me that, oh, all these kids were getting abused in the name of Satan. I don't buy it. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, the McMartin family, they had, um, like, a preschool. I I mean, it was more like little, little kids, not four or five-year-olds. Like babies. Yeah, like really small kids. It wasn't really a preschool. It was more like a daycare, what we would call a daycare now. And it was in California. Um, and in 1983, this family that ran this McMartin preschool that was, you know, the whole family was involved in it, uh, were accused of abusing children there in the name of Satan. <laughs> That's fucked up. So um, Judy Johnson reported to the police that her son was, I don't know how she got this out of him because he was like three or four. Tiny, tiny kid. Um, that he had been sodomized by um, <laughs> her estranged husband and the teacher of the McMartin Preschool, Ray Bucky. So <laughs> Ray Bucky. Good old Ray Bucky. This, this is in California, right? <laughs> yeah. Wait, and, I think we just add a southern accent Oh, yeah, because that name, I mean, if you look at these people and you look at, there's pictures online. Go look up McMartin Preschool. It looks like a rodeo. Oh my gosh. There's like ropes and like a wooden sign with the burnished name of McMartin Preschool. It looks like something you would find in southern Missouri. I wonder if they were originally like the family was originally. I feel like maybe they were, I don't know. But um Okay. So this woman, she's a little I, I feel like she's a little vindictive. That was her like estranged husband who was, you know, working at this daycare. And she just made all of these accusations saying that people at this daycare, the people who run it, the people who are teachers in it, they are participating in these satanic rituals. They are bringing the children into it. And she's like, first it started off with them having sexual encounters with animals. And to me, that... That doesn't sound like anything uh, a Satanism would be involved. Like it's, yeah, it's not normally. I don't like believe they're sexual, goat fucking for. Right. Yeah, <laughs> for God, you know, <laughs> for their God. Yeah, it's normally a like a sacrifice ceremony yeah. or something like that. So she <laughs> made these accusations, said that her son was being sodomized. Um, but as they start investigating, they realize that this woman is also like crazy. She's a paranoid schizophrenic. She was in and out of mental institutions. She's on medication. And she starts kind of like going off her rocker. So because it is children involved, they do try to take it seriously, even though they kind of know that she's, you know, a little crazy. So they start to investigate it. And um, then there's other kids coming forward saying that, oh, yeah, we were abused, too. The way that they are getting this information out of these kids is through a psychological technique called, um, it's basically false memory. (laughs) So what they do is it's, they take these kids, they sit them down, they talk to them. They kind of say suggestive things and ask them suggestive questions. Okay. And these kids are kind of like, well, yeah, well, that, you know, that sounds familiar. Um, it's called repressed memory. <laughs> That's what it is. I'm like, the word will come to me. I came from my memory. Uh, <laughs> it was a repressed memory. <laughs> it was a repressed memory. Um, so they ask them questions, very suggestive. And even in some instances, they would have them be hypnotized to pull out this repressed memory of, you know, something that occurred. So they, they start talking to these kids and they start, 
you know, hearing things like, oh yeah, we saw animal sacrifices and, um, yeah, there was, there was blood and yeah, they definitely touched us. And these are all kids that are under the age of five. They're not going to have, you know, their, their memories are plastic. What you say to a kid, they're going to repeat back to you. That's that stage. That's the mimic stage. And that that kind of thing drives me nuts because at that time, they didn't have the same requirements for interviewing children mm-hmm. or, you know, giving psychological exams even um, where you have, say, the parent in the room or counsel in the room. Oh, no. Or you are not – I mean, it's there's such a fine line you have to walk between not leading them to – an answer and especially with kids they're gonna tell you what you want to hear it's Mm -hmm. what does the adult want me to say exactly and this technique they started using it because um there was this (laughs) supposed memoir that came out called michelle remember so it was published in 1980 it was written by a canadian psychiatrist who said that they sat down with this woman named michelle and they started talking and they went through hypnotherapy and she started pulling out all of these repressed memories from her childhood about when she was abused sexually by Satanists. It sounds a lot like what all of these children are saying. Right. So if you, I mean, that whole story was debunked. That psychiatrist lost his license. People said that that is not an accurate way To get memories, you know, the repressed memory syndrome is a real thing. Right. Like, it is a psychological issue that is implanted into your head by suggestive comments. It has been proven. And they had, I think, just no clue about that at that time. Because there were, I don't think it was in this case, there were a lot of these child abuse allegation in the name of Satan cases mm-hmm. happening. Not in the U.S., not only in the U.S., but also everywhere. Everywhere. There was one, I think that happened in the United States, where they actually sent out notices to the parents. Mm-hmm. They mailed them out. Was that this one, or was that a different one? It was a different one. Um, this is, this, the McMartin preschool trials were kicked off this just rampant, just all of a sudden overnight, tons of people were going in to the police and being like, my kid is being abused by Satanists in this preschool. They are hurting children. They are praying to Satan. Yeah. I mean, most of them were just totally debunked. Right. Completely. And in, I mean, in the case, they literally sent notices out to parents that said, talk to your kids We've had allegations mm-hmm. of this abuse. Talk to your kids. So now you have all of these people who are not professionals, who oh, yeah. are parents saying, did this happen to you? Did the, you know, and again, it's that situation of they're just going to tell you, you know, the kid is going to say whatever the adult wants to hear, you know, especially if it's your parent, your mom, or your dad. Oh, yeah. So they they had people interviewing these kids and they were saying all of these horrible things um another psychiatrist uh michael maloney he reviewed all of these tapes and he upon you know the the trial he he spoke about it and he's like this is not this is not a technique that psychiatrists use you do not interview children like this the problem in lies that you are you know you are making a comment to the child and asking them these sort of leading questions. And this is where all these false memories are coming from. Because basically you're just implanting these ideas into the this kid's, you know, mind. And kids have very active imaginations. They're going to be like, well, yeah, you know what? They can't differentiate between what they see on TV and what is real life at this stage in their, right. in their yeah. lives. So he came out and he's like, these are not, do not take any of these interviews into consideration because they are just fake. There's nothing in here that I would say is real. These kids do not seem uncomfortable. They seem more than willing to just talk about whatever. Whereas if a child was really abused, you're not going to, they're not going to be like, yeah, you know, they right. touched us and they hailed Satan while he did it. Like right. that's not going to happen. And when you honestly, when you look at 
not even just like the satanic ritualistic abuse cases, but in general, just child abuse cases, mm-hmm. a lot of times the children don't, they won't say anything for years mm-hmm. for fear of retaliation or he said he would, you know, hurt me or kill me if I told anybody or, you know. And just being embarrassed. Right. You know, these kids are afraid. Yeah. It's usually someone they know where they're comfortable with. It's abusing them and they're just embarrassed. Right. Or if it's something that's been going on for a long time, they don't think that it's unusual. They mm-hmm. might think that that's pretty normal. That's and how families are. Yeah, that's that, not something it's okay they for them to do that to me because they're my mom or my dad or right. my uncle. Right. Yeah. So what wound up happening was ultimately there were 360 of the children testified. Holy shit. 360 children. <laughs> and they used 41 of them because they weeded out all the ones that they considered to be the most leading. But even the 41 that were submitted, the psychiatrist, Michael Maloney, was like, still, I wouldn't use those because they're extremely suggestive. But what when they start talking to these kids and they and they play these tapes, some of the just fucking weird shit that these kids are saying. Is it super weird? Super fucking weird. Okay. Did Let you me just, listen to the to any of the interviews? I didn't listen to the tapes. I read the tran- like transcripts that okay. they had. Um, just fucking weird stuff. I'm sure you can find the tapes. Yeah. Well, I, I'll see if I can. We can put some up on. <laughs> Yeah. Our site for you guys to enjoy. I, I love that. I love listening listening to the actual interviews or, you know, 911 calls or whatever. I love that kind of thing. So I, I enjoy that too, but I feel like, I don't know, because it's, it's kids. It's right? tough, yeah. I don't know if I'd be able to, even though I, I feel in myself that this didn't happen and that these right. people are just making shit up. Still to listen to a kid sort of regale you with a tale of abuse, right. even if it is false, is really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. So they they did talk about, oh, yeah, we were sexually abused and stuff like that. But the weird stuff that they said after that makes you just not believe anything. So they said that they saw witches on brooms flying. Okay. To and from the daycare. They also said that they traveled on a hot air balloon to different places to reach other members of the cult. Wait, like they would they would take the kids, like the kids would go to daycare and they'd take them on a hot on air balloon. On a hot air balloon ride to go meet up with other Satanist members. That sounds like the fucking coolest cult ever. If that you- sounds like, you know what? I don't care if you diddle me later, like let's get in this hot balloon. <laughs> of hot air balloons. Yes. It's, it's just really a hot air balloon that's a giant devil with like red horns. Yes. <laughs> um, they also said that they were taken through underground tunnels to different places, like secretive rooms. Um, they were photographed um, <laughs> with other people and some abusers. And one of the kids... This is what really got me. One of the kids identified one of the people that they were photographed as Chuck Norris. Oh. Chuck Norris abused this child, is what he said. He's so badass, the only relationship <laughs> you can get behind is Satanism. Satanism. <laughs> um, so some of these allegations yeah, were just... Yeah, I wonder... So that was... This was in the 80s. Yes. So yeah, that would have been right around, like... His prime. It was like eighties, nineties, mm-hmm. right? It was when Chuck yep. Norris was really. That is hilarious. Like, yeah, that was Chuck Norris. Kid. Chuck Norris. He he touched me. <laughs> God, it's like really. <laughs> um. So they were saying like that Raymond Buckley guy. Um. He was definitely the one. He flew on a broom. He's a witch. It just sounds uh, like a bad <laughs> Halloween movie. Like, just witches flying on broomsticks. Just teach their children. Like. What was more fucked up, though, was the woman who uh, who brought about these allegations, the, the woman who was not stable, she also was like, I really believe that he did fly on brooms. She said that in a statement that she wholeheartedly believes that her child saw him fly in her room and she knows it's true. It's like, how, what? I mean, I get, like, 
being supporting your kid. Like if your kid is gonna, like if this was really happening mm-hmm. and your kid was coming out with all of this stuff and saying I was abused and he touched me in a bad place and then says, Oh yeah, they also fly to and from on brooms. That would be the moment that I'd be like, hold up. Yeah. Go back to the, that part. The brooms. <laughs> They're flying, and then I'd say, "Can you tell them to tell me where they got one so that mm-hmm. I can fly?" Because <laughs> that would be fucking cool. It's like I wish I could fly on a broom. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. No, but um, <laughs> so they were saying that they were taking these kids on these brooms and these hot air balloon rides and going through all these tunnels to oh, have yeah. giant sex orgies with these children. Okay, and that's where the Chuck Norris came in, and they were saying that they were having videos taken of them and pictures. Which I mean, that does happen. Yeah. There, I believe that there's a child sex ring out there. Oh, I wholeheartedly believe that there are kids being abducted and used and sold into slavery. Oh, yeah. But. Prime example. I don't, Johnny Gash. Exactly. I mean. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there one that day. That will be <laughs> a long episode. <laughs> um, so some of the things that they did say, there could be merit to it. Like um, one of the kids said that. They were taken to have pictures and a naked movie taken of them, is what they said. Okay. And they said when they didn't want to do it, there were other kids in the room taunting them and saying, um, what you say is what you are. You're a naked movie star. Wow. That's pretty catchy. Um, so that, so this kid didn't want to do it. And these <laughs> other kids who were doing it in the room were like taunting him as like, what you say is what you are. You're a naked movie star, <laughs> which is mortifying to think that if that actually happened. Yeah. I just, it's the, everything that you've said up to this point is just like <laughs> the, <whole balloon. laughs> the most absurd thing and then you say something else and it's like oh no that is the most absurd thing you know what i mean i don't know how anybody could have bought into this other than this went to trial this went to trial and this baffles me there was no evidence they went so far as to start excavating the site of the preschool to see if there were hidden tunnels i was going to ask if they actually because that would be oh yeah there truly were hidden tunnels something you could go in and find they looked at plans they went and started digging up around and there was nothing they didn't find a single hidden room a secret door nothing (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) When he gets, like, uncomfortable, he grumps like a little piglet. Instead like, oh. of moving. <laughs> yeah. If I'm in bed with him and he's laying with me and I move, he's like, oh. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. So, in 1984 is when they started doing the trial. Uh, the people that were involved that were, you know, supposedly part of this was uh, Virginia McMartin, Peggy McMartin Bucky, Ray Bucky, uh, his sister, Peggy Ann. See, these all sound like very Southern names. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, the teachers that were involved were uh, Marianne Jackson, Betty Rader, Babette Spittier. Ba- Wait, say that again? Babette, Babette Spittier. Okay. <laughs> so they were charged with 115 counts of child abuse, and then they later expanded it to 321 counts of child abuse. And they said that it involved over 48 children over a 20-monthly period. It was ridiculous. Uh, so they started doing the hearings, and they presented their you know testimonies and things like that about sexual abuse. And during the trial, the woman who originally brought on these allegations, she was sent to a mental institution... And she died in 1986, I believe. I, I want to say she killed herself there. So this um, was, was this the woman who, it was her estranged husband was, mm-hmm. okay. She's the one who brought it about. She's the one who said that her son was being abused by him and all of the people okay. there. And she's the one who got the, the ball rolling on this. And um, she died in 1986 while she was um, in a mental institution because of her schizophrenia that she had i believe she did kill herself um i didn't see it just said that she died it didn't really give specifications on how so this um trial takes a couple years um and what winds up happening happening is they don't convict anyone it is just this big huge like conspiracy theory all of these allegations people are like what the hell is going on. It just 
it's nonsense. And all these kids start retracting their statements and saying, well, well, you know, I don't actually remember that. Right. So they start losing, you know, these statements from these kids. You said so, the trial take, took a couple of years? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think okay. it was like a little over a year. Okay. Um, I want to say... Well, I just, I asked that because it makes you wonder, I mean, if these were... The the kids giving the statements were like you know like toddlers at the time yeah. say and they get a little older and maybe realize you it know. was actually three years okay oh yeah. wow yeah so before I mean, anything case, started yeah when if you're a kid and you get a little older and you think back I mean you're gonna have even even though you're still young you're gonna have a little bit more understanding of exactly these statements and I mean, you were giving and they really really to hit home the um the false memory stuff mm-hmm. because i this the false memory sort of tactics that they use i mean they still try and do that with children it's not as bad as it used to be because oh, now yeah. you have to have your parent there everything is recorded whereas back then it didn't necessarily have to be recorded. And you still um, have states now where it's not even everything is recorded. Mm-hmm. It's normally the main statement, but if you do like say a pre-interview, that doesn't necessarily have to be recorded in some states even. Exactly. So So um basically what wound up happening was the judge ruled that there was absolutely no credible evidence or any sort of cooperation to lead to them, you know, having their license suspended and it shut down and these people in prison. He was like, there's nothing here. This is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Um, But there was a a supposed witness, okay? A jailhouse snitch. Oh, boy. (laughs) Said that his name was George Freeman. He said that he shared a cell with Ray Bucky and that he confessed to him that he did do this and that he was a witch. Again, <laughs> does he just like practice witchcraft in the in the cell? And with if he him? did practice witchcraft, he's probably still not touching children. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> how would you even practice uh, like Satanism rituals in prison? I don't even understand. Okay, <laughs> I'm just so annoyed that these people were just like, "This could be true." He's a witch. Well, and I always get a little like. It's really like a 50-50 shot with the jailhouse, you know, witnesses. Oh, yeah. Because half the time, they're getting some sort of deal. Oh, yeah. They're 100% getting a deal. Or they want their name in the paper or something like that. Yeah. So the judge threw out tons of, you know, evidence. I use that loosely. He threw out this, this, uh, it was basically perjury. Yeah. You know, for the confession of the witness. Um, because he wound up, like, trying to escape from jail and, like, doing... So this guy was totally incredible. Not even legit at all. Uh, so in 1990, after three years of this, and it took them, the jury, nine weeks to deliberate, this is what happened. Uh, Peggy McMartin was acquitted on all counts. Ray Bucky was cleared on 52 of the 65 counts. I don't know what... 52 of the 65? 52 of 65 counts against him. Okay. So he was free on bail, and, uh, yeah, because he spent a couple years in jail during this time. So he was, I don't, it doesn't specify what he was convicted of, but it wasn't. So maybe there was some child abuse going on, but it wasn't necessarily uh, ritualistic, satanic What I'm thinking is it was, it wasn't, like, the sexual abuse that was happening, it wasn't happening. But maybe they were, you know, a little aggressive with the kids, or maybe right. they yelled at them a little hard because yeah. they did have pretty much all of them had their licenses revoked for the ability to even participate if, in a daycare. Even if they didn't, I can't. Even imagine. the people who were acquitted were not allowed. Yeah. They are not allowed to participate in any sort of even activity they, like that. Even if they didn't revoke their licenses, I cannot imagine after a case like that that I. I'm pretty sure got a lot of publicity mm-hmm. that anybody would want to take their kids to. You know, you see their name on a daycare anywhere. There's no way oh, that yeah. people are taking their no, kids there. No, not at all. So, what the they kind of talked about a little bit about um, the jurors and why they, you know, were holding out for that Ray Bucky guy. 
So nine of the 11 jurors at like, they allowed them to do press conferences after this, which I thought you weren't allowed to do, but maybe that was before. I think you can after, you can discuss the case Mm -hmm. after a verdict has been rendered. But during a case, you of course are sequestered. You are not allowed to look at any media, anything like that. But I think if you choose to, you can discuss it afterwards. So they kind of said that they believed that the children had been, you know, abused in some way, but that there was really no evidence beyond a reasonable doubt as who committed it. Right. Because it was basically just the kids' words against the adults. That's all it was. Um, and then 11 out of the 13 jurors who remained to the end of the trial voted to acquit Ray Bucky on all the charges. Um the refusal of the remaining two to vote for not guilty resulted in the deadlock. And that's where the, you know, the judge had to come and be like, this is what we're going to do. So what wound up happening was he was retried later on six of 13 counts of something else. Okay. Um, related to? Related this? to this. Okay. They wanted to get him again. So they. Oh, because he already had. Did he already have a criminal record or something like that or no i don't think that he did um maybe i I think i thought you said that and they just just made that up i just making up facts now um they just really wanted to get him because they they believe that he was the one abusing children but they had no evidence they couldn't prove anyone was abusing kids but they like thought that these kids were being abused um that trial also was a hung jury and he was acquitted and then they just gave up trying to get it. And all the charges against him were dropped. And, I mean, he had been jailed during that time, so... This is a perfect example of being able to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. When you come to trial with little to no evidence, um, what sounds like coerced uh, statements from mm-hmm. children, uh, that, to me, is not something that is going to be able to to prove it Beyond a reasonable doubt. And I think that is like the key phrase that people forget about during any court proceeding. It has to be beyond a reasonable doubt. And if not, the jury's not going to it's, it. it's never a matter of whether you think that they did it or not. Right. It's can you absolutely prove it? And right. even, even evidence that is considered legitimate isn't. DNA evidence can be tampered with. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And there's a, I've even now as, we move forward in this technology of... Um, it's getting scarier. <laughs> yeah. And, Touch DNA. And there's a lot <laughs> of things now that are coming out that, oh, well, this evidence that we thought was legit really isn't. Things like um, burn patterns. Oh, yeah. You know, like that It's nonsense. Fire it's science nonsense. is nonsense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, blood splatter, like patterns. Totally. That is... Even some of the ballistic stuff they're yeah. saying... Um, you can't, you cannot have controlled testing of that because of, you know, the way that guns are fired. Right. <laughs> it just, you just can't. Yeah. So. So it's, I mean, it's a tricky, tricky thing. It's a slippery slope when you're trying to present evidence in these trials, especially trials that involve children. Oh, yeah. And abuse claims and allegations. It, even when they do have physical evidence on, it's even still hard to prove. Yeah, absolutely. It's upsetting, but I mean, and it's not. I'm. It's not like you don't want to do anything because people take crimes against children so seriously, as they should. Yeah, you know, you have to at least look into it if somebody's making allegations of child sexual abuse or you know whatever yeah. it is. So I can understand why they would want to look into it at least, and but I can't believe that it actually made it to trial. That blows. My I mind can't a believe bit. it either. And the fact that they just kept trying to bring up extra charges on him. I mean this this trial all together with the first set of allegations and and everything else that he was convicted of second time. It lasted seven years, and it is considered the longest and most expensive trial of our time. Really, which is baffles me. He was in jail for five years because they acu- the accusations came in in 1983. They didn't do anything until 1985 and he was in jail from 1985 to 1990. No bail or anything? No bail. Nothing. All on hearsay. That is ridiculous. I, I don't understand why 
They, there are so just, many it just doesn't make sense to me. I, again, we could do a whole nother episode on court proceedings. On the fucked up judicial <laughs> yeah. system that um, we have. And, <laughs> I mean, the fact that you have somebody who is not given an opportunity to be out on bail, now you bring in the problem of possibly ineffective assistance and not being able to uh, prove your case as thoroughly as if you were out on bail. I mean, there's a lot of things that are... And I I mean, just the techniques that they were using is just... A psychiatrist came in and said, this is not a legitimate technique used in psychology. I do not recommend taking any of this evidence that was recorded from these children. You need to start over and do it again. And they're like, no, maybe not. And they only used part of them. God. They basically used the most convincing children's testimonies. That is such bullshit. I mean, this case had so much media coverage. And this is where you have the Nancy Graces of the world coming out and going, <laughs> Satan has taken over the United States. We need to oh save God. these babies' children. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, it's one of those tricky situations where because it's children, you don't want to do nothing, but I, you got to... Get I mean, credible kids, shit done. <laughs> exactly. Kids make up shit all the time. Yeah. I mean, the giant indicator should have been, like, we uh, saw them flying on brooms. They're witches. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So Crazy that was shit. the McMartin preschool trial. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it could get any crazier, but... That, yeah, it takes the just, fun out of the satanic panic and stupid satanic ritual abuse. I mean... Let's remember the good things. Let's remember the positive things. It just, it kills me because it stems from just people going crazy over something that they don't understand. Right. And you can really say that about anything. It doesn't, I mean, Satanism is what it is. It's a made up religion for people to be involved in and have some sort of sense of familialness with one another. I don't think that they're sacrificing anything. It's just, it's a religion. (laughs) Can you imagine what it would have been like in the 1960s or 70s if we had a rise in people involved in the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, and there were Pastafarians <laughs> everywhere. Like, I oh mean, my god, the Pastafarian <laughs> ritual abuse! Like, You could put it in anything. You could put it in anything. And yeah. if you look at it, I mean, there have been tons of priests in legitimate, let me put quotes on that, legitimate religions that have been actually convicted of abusing children. Yeah. Real evidence and I don't of know, child I abuse. I don't honestly know that they're I would have to look into it, so, you know, this statement may or may not be fact, but I can't think of any actual um, satanic religious groups being convicted of really any sort of abuse at all. I don't recall that either. Yeah. I mean, in the West Memphis Three, you have these kids who were very heavy into, you know, heavy metal, and then they said they were involved in Satanism. But again, I believe that they were falsely... People, accused. people so, truly involved in the Church of Satan, I don't think are like that. There are a lot of no. pretenders who are, you know, it's again, it's the Hail Satan group. Exactly. But and when you think of like the teenagers, because a lot of the, a lot of the satanic panic stuff came from like teenagers doing things. Yeah. Um, you're a moody teenager. It's the eighties and you just want to fucking listen to your metal music you and tell your mom, just tell your mom to get out of your room. <laughs> don't <laughs> you know? understand me, mom. You don't even understand yeah. just because they were all black and islander just make me a bad person it's just metal <laughs> i still like puppies yeah so it's just like <laughs> it's a lot of just misunderstanding and miscommunication yeah. and, and they just they want they don't like that music they don't like it the goth look it's an explanation for why your kid is being dark and exactly. brooding exactly when you feel uncomfortable you want to be like don't do that yeah or try to explain it away in some way but I mean, Satan is <laughs> exactly, and it just that whole like just reading that whole like the transcripts, the trial, these people's claims, and then looking into the Michelle remembers. I mean, if you can find that book, read it. It is yeah, fucking baloney. I'm gonna have to grab that because it's 
it also has like this really amazing cover on the original one of this like girl in this dark room in a dress with a teddy bear and there's like this looming satanic looking figure behind her it they marketed it amazingly really it's really great um but it is literally just nonsense oh my gosh yeah sorry i just pulled up the cover of the one with her sitting with the <laughs> candles was a doll, on the room it's like the cover you would see on like um like a honestly like a horror movie from yeah, like the 70s it's very very similar where it's like an like an exorcism kind of movie mm-hmm. you know like the child is possessed and they're saying laughing in the background that is ridiculous That's so and it funny. just it just goes on and on and on and Jeez. it and again, it is all just false memories. It's all just fake. That guy, that he's a real, well, he was a real licensed psychiatrist. And he basically just hypnotized her and put these false memories in her brain and then wrote a book about it. Because he could. Because he could, and then yeah. it's real. I think people, I, Satan is I really think when you write it, when you write a book about something like that, if it's, like, published, people just automatically assume that's true. I mean, They assume that it's real. Yeah, we've had recent things um, where it's come out that, oh, I'm just kidding, like, um, was Tiny Little Pieces, was that that book? The guy ended up, you know, was all fabricated. I don't know. I, yeah, no, I remember that. Um, I don't know if it was that book. Maybe, I'm not 100% sure, but there's a lot of memoirs that were completely fabricated or they were about somebody else and not about them. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, jeez, no. So yeah, I mean that's that's satanic panic for you. <laughs> All right. Well, that has been episode two of the Bad Taste Crime Cast. If you want to get in touch with us, or you have a story that you'd like to talk, uh, like us to talk about, or you just want to tell us how great we're doing, you can find us on Facebook at the Bad Taste Crime Cast. Um, where else can they find us, Janelle? Um, we're on Twitter, BT Crimecast, our Instagram. Started doing that. You know, I got okay. So really quick, I saw this morning. I got a notification on my phone that oh. was, oh, we have an Instagram now, and I thought, crap, I'm gonna have to like put on real clothes to go do this <laughs> podcast now because she might take pictures and put them on the Instagram. Don't worry. So. The first picture I put up was just of our stuff. Oh, good. There was no people in it. Okay. Just, it was just like, get ready. I just need get some pumped. warning before I get put <laughs> I on know. Instagram. I'm not going to surprise take a picture of you while you're like mid-speech yeah. about something. But the only pictures <laughs> that people take of me are when I'm talking and my mouth is as wide open as it can be. And it's literally the most attractive that you'll ever I see mean, me is when hey. I just, you know. <laughs> no, no. Um, you can also send us. Our, your story suggestions. We're going to do some listener involvement in some of our future stuff uh, at the bad taste crime cast at gmail.com. All right. <laughs> that being said, we are going to ski daddle on out of here. Mm-hmm. We will see you all next time. This yes. is Vicki. And I am Janelle. Thanks for listening. And remember, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Try not to die. <laughs> Strangler has murdered 10 young women and left their bodies on the hillsides along the highway. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town. We are all people.